welcome to the Pandemic Puppy Podcast, brought to you by Journey Dog Training and the Pandemic Puppy Raising Support Group over on Facebook. I'm your host, Gail Fratt, and I'm super excited to be here with you, um, raising my puppy Niffler right alongside all of you. Today, we're doing a little bit of a mini-sode to talk about potty training and address a couple questions from our Patreons. So if you haven't joined Patreon yet, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, it is $3 a month, and you can join over at patreon.com slash pandemic puppy. We also have it linked over on journeydogtraining.com, so it's super easy to find. And for that $3 a month, you get to ask me questions about your puppy and your puppy raising woes and excitements and joys, and we will share in them and address them together. Again, it's three bucks a month. Um, I charge over $100 an hour for one-on-one training, so Patreon is a really, really good deal. Um, We also, if you don't want to or don't need to or don't, you know, whatever, I I get it, um, don't want to support us over on Patreon, go ahead and um, you can always make sure that you subscribe and like and share the podcast, either verbally, word of mouth, or on social media, Or um, we also really appreciate getting reviews, especially on the Apple Podcast Store. So if you want to go ahead and drop us a review, that will be much appreciated. And whenever we get new reviews, I make sure to share them over on the podcast um, just because they make my day. So um, thank you guys so much. And without further ado, let's get into potty training. So potty training, just about everyone wants to do this and wants to do it right with their puppy. You know, I know some people who don't really care whether or not their puppy learns to sit or don't, you know, recall isn't a huge deal for them because they don't really go off leash or whatever it is. And, you know, while we may disagree on that, um, that's fine. I don't really know anyone who doesn't care if their puppy doesn't get potty trained. Even the people who do potentially have a largely outdoor dog or a really small breed dog, most people do prefer having a fully potty trained dog. So... With that in mind, let's talk about how to actually achieve that. The biggest thing to understand with potty training is that particularly when we're dealing with itty-bitty baby puppies, so I'm talking like our 8 to 16-week-old babies, is that they just need to go outside all the time. They just, as whenever they're awake, we're talking like every 20, 30, 40 minutes, they're going to be going to the bathroom. Yes, they can sleep for a lot longer and they don't need to go to the bathroom in their sleep, But um, that is an entirely different thing. So whenever your puppy is awake and moving around, your puppy probably needs to be going out about every half hour. And I know that feels like a lot. It is a lot. We can talk about schedule making and, you know, you can work with your family members to come up with a good schedule to share that load. But um, again, the reality is if your puppy is awake, they really need to be going out and they're going to need to be going to the bathroom really, really frequently. Um, they also are going to need to go to the bathroom pretty quickly whenever they wake up from a nap, whenever they've just eaten or had a good drink, or after playtime, kind of in the middle of playtime in some cases as well. So really keep, keep your eye on all of that. And the way that we can be successful with that is by using confinement and supervision. So a good potty training plan is not just about taking your puppy outside every 30 minutes, waiting for them to go potty and then giving them a treat and then turning them back loose in your house. Oh God, no, that is not going to work. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it has worked for a couple people, but please um, just let's not tempt fate here. So what we are going to recommend and you guys um, who have been listening for a while are going to, you know what I'm about to say, is a puppy palace. So um, get an exercise pen, baby gate set up. You've got a crate in there. You've got this nice squishy bed inside the crate. You've got food or you've got toys. You've got chewy objects. You've got water. You may or may not have food. Most of us feed in meals. That's what I generally recommend. So um, 
but just about everything your puppy needs. And whenever your puppy is not under, you know, two eyeballs on them sort of supervision, they should be in that puppy palace. That helps prevent unwanted chewing, chasing, barking, digging, and pottying. Um, it just really keeps all of your stuff safe from your puppy and sets your puppy up for success. So again, whenever you're not like actively engaging with your puppy in some way, I would recommend having them in there. You can have a couple different puppy palace sets set up, set setups throughout your house if you need to make sure that, um, you know, as you're working, your puppy might be in a puppy pen near your office versus when you're cooking, they may be in the living room, you know, so on and so forth. We obviously, as we talked about in our separation anxiety episodes, we do also want to be building some independence in there, but you know, it's nice to be able to have your puppy close at hand. And then if and when you can, as your puppy is in the puppy palace, you're going to still be trying to adhere to that schedule of taking them out every half hour or so when they're awake. So, you know, you've always got half an eye on your puppy. When they wake up from that nap, you take them outside. If they go to the bathroom then, great, give them a treat, play with them a little bit, make sure that good stuff follows going to the bathroom instead of the other way around. Um, Sometimes people make the mistake of taking their puppy out, walking, 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 playing, playing, playing. As soon as their puppy goes to the bathroom, they're like, oh, thank God. And then they go back inside. What did the puppy just learn? The puppy just learned that playtime ends when they go to the bathroom, which is a great way to teach your puppy how to hold their bladder, but not really the lesson we actually want to teach them as far as going to the bathroom outside. So, as soon as they're awake, as soon as they've had a good drink, as soon as, you know, whatever else it is that we've already talked about as far as our cues that our puppy is going to need to go outside, take them outside um, and try to be low pressure about it. Sometimes people kind of follow their puppies around staring at them or chanting at them, you know, go potty, hurry up. Yes, right there. Good boy. Go potty. Blah, 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 blah. All of that can be really... Um, intense for our puppies. And some puppies just are not used to the idea of going to the bathroom while they're being watched. Um, and it's not that they're embarrassed. You know, I'm not saying that to anthropomorphize. I'm saying that in a, for a lot of our puppies, the only times they've gone to the bathroom in front of someone, um, they may have been punished for it because they may have been getting caught indoors. So particularly if that's something that's in your puppy's history, um, your puppy may be really reticent to go to the bathroom in front of you. So, you know, try to be casual about it when they do go absolutely reward them. I use food. highly recommend that. And make sure you do it at that moment, not, you know, after you've walked around the rest of the yard, walked back inside, gone to the cabinet, unscrewed the tree jar. You know, that's just not going to help teach them that lesson. Um, once you, when you know that your puppy is empty, you can come inside and then be a little bit more relaxed about it. You know, I still would recommend two eyes on the puppy sort of interactions, um, or at least like an eye and a half, um, where, uh, where you know that your puppy is empty, um, but they can be free for a little while. And then again, every 20, 30 minutes, you're going to take them outside, reward them again. Um, I wouldn't recommend kind of bringing your puppy, if your puppy doesn't go to the bathroom outside, I would not necessarily recommend like putting them back in the crate and then taking them out for in every five minutes until they do go to the bathroom. A, that's really tedious for us humans. And B, it's just, it's a good way to kind of poison the crate and poison the, the idea of coming back inside for your puppy. So it's just, it's a little bit of a risky, uh, maneuver. And, um, you know, generally if your puppy isn't going to the bathroom when they're awake, um, for some reason, it's there's there's probably a good reason, whether it's because they genuinely don't have to go or there's something else going on in the environment that's making them not want to go. So um, kind of just putting them back in the crate and then taking them out in five minutes over and over again is unlikely to help. Um, again, so it's a lot of the schedule and a lot of supervision and a lot of confinement. 
I also have had a lot of success using litter boxes with Niffler um, and with a lot of my friends and their puppies. That seems to be a pretty consistent theme. So when Niffler was under about 14 weeks old, um, he had access to a little litter box with some pine pellets. That's what his breeder gave him. And um, that's what worked well for us. He probably only used it about five times over those five weeks, but each of those times was a time that it would have resulted in an accident had he not had that litter box. We still were working really hard on the schedule and supervision and confinement, but it did allow me to, you know, say, record this podcast and know that if something happened and he started getting up from a nap unexpectedly, he had a place where he could go if that's what his body needed in that moment. I did not personally have much trouble weaning him off of the litter box because, again, we were doing so much work on rewarding him for going potty outside um, and sticking to that schedule. It just basically, I removed it when it seemed like he had enough bladder control to be able to hold his pee for long enough that we could remove that litter box. I know other people who have kept their litter boxes around for longer, but frankly, with Niffler, we just started traveling enough um, that it wasn't practical to have the litter box with us. So therefore, I just kind of decided not to have it at home anymore. Um, it is pretty common to see some amount of regression in potty training, particularly as your puppy ages. Um, again, you know, their metabolism is changing so much so fast at this age as these little bitty baby puppies that it's not uncommon to see, you know, they, they can hold it while they're sleeping and then as soon as they're up, they need to go right away, which I know can be frustrating and confusing for us. But then at the same time, that also means that as they're growing a lot um, and going through different growth spurts, you might notice that they're just creating a lot more waste as they're eating so much and um, their potty needs may change as they age. So I've heard um, from a fair number of people about having some amount of a potty training regression when the puppy is like six months old or so. Um, and then it seems like a fair number of male dogs have regressions as they start lifting their leg, which can be really, really individual dependent as far as when that might show up. Um, but some of the marking, and that's a little bit of a different problem. Generally, though, if we're seeing regressions, I just recommend going back to the basics. Don't freak out about it. Don't, you know, just be patient. And again, as we've already talked about, do not punish your puppy for going to the bathroom inside. That's a really great way to teach your puppy not to go to the bathroom in front of you, whether you're inside or outside. And that also applies to, you know, if you see your puppy squatting and you like shriek and run over to them and scoop them up and try to sweep them outside, um, that could be really scary for a puppy, even if that's absolutely not your intent. So if I noticed Niffler having an accident, my response was kind of like a whoops, you know, and if I, if, if me kind of being surprised by it was enough to get him to stop going to the bathroom, then great. I, I put him outside, rewarded him, made it a really positive thing. But in a lot of cases, it wasn't. And, you know, that's fine. Or maybe I didn't catch him in the moment. That's fine. Again, I just went ahead and put him outside. I cleaned it up. I used clean Carl's for that. Um, and, uh, you know, we just cleaned it up and we went on with our day. And I made a note of what happened. So for me, I noticed that a lot of our mistakes, our potty accidents, happened because I had friends over or I was over at a friend's house. And Niffler was excited. I was excited. I was engaged with the person. And, uh, and I just wasn't paying as good of attention to him as I normally do when it's just me and him around the house. So um, I really started noticing that when I go over to friends' houses, I need to make sure to take him outside for a good amount of time, really make sure that he's gone to the bathroom. And then I would use like an umbilical method. So I obviously don't bring my puppy palace with me everywhere I go. So I would just take a leash and tie him to my belt um, so that he couldn't uh, like sneak off and go to the bathroom uh out of sight at someone's friend's house. And again, you know, it's not that he was trying to be sneaky or trying to like make me look bad in front of my friends or anything like that. He just didn't know where the bathroom was. He was excited. I was excited. I wasn't paying attention to him. And, you know, we had an accident. It's not a big deal. It happens 
all the time. And again, the vast majority of dogs do end up being properly potty trained, even though yes, they have these really annoying potty accidents and regressions throughout, um, throughout puppyhood and teenagerhood. So I know that's a pretty fast overview, but the reality is there's actually a lot of really good information out there about potty training and it's all kind of the same stuff. It's kind of like when you look into like how to eat well, it's like just about everywhere that's reputable that you look is going to say like, you know, eat more veggies, eat less processed food exercise some, get outside, sleep well. You know, like we know this, (laughs) we know these things. And the same goes for body training. It's, you know, it's a schedule, it's avoiding punishment, it's using supervision and confinement, and it's being patient. Um, And just, again, recognizing how little bladder control and how how tiny they are and how much they're growing um, and being really patient with all of that. And then on the flip side, you know, if you are seeing like real struggles where this puppy is just like particularly hard to house train. That does happen too. So I don't want to minimize that. And in some cases, it just seems like it's kind of individual. Um, I've got a friend who had a puppy who just, you know, and this woman has been a breeder for a while. She's been, um, she's raised gajillions of puppies and, you know, just, she's had a couple puppies that were much harder to potty train. Um, So sometimes it can just be individual, but also it, sometimes, especially regressions, it's worth talking to your vet about it and make sure I've had clients whose dogs have turned out to have diabetes or Giardia or some other medical issue that actually is pointing to the puppy being really unable to hold it or needing to go outside much, much more frequently than we would have expected. So if, especially if you're seeing a regression or it just seems like this puppy is like really hard to potty train. And especially if you've kind of talked to some other uh, trainers or experts who, um, who are agreeing that you're doing the right things, might be worth, um, talk, it's worth talking to your vet and just ruling things out. Um, and then the other times that I tend to see really big struggles, potty training dogs are when they come from, uh, shall we say less privileged backgrounds. So potentially puppies from a pet store or a puppy mill or a hoarding situation, or even just, you know, from a tough shelter. Um, and that's nothing against the shelters or anything like that. But, um, you know, sometimes if the puppies are basically spending their, their infancy getting used to the idea of eating and sleeping right in it with their excrement, that can be really hard to break them of that Um, and kind of reset them to their natural place of being where they don't want to eat and sleep in their poop. Um, And it also just makes it a lot harder for us to use confinement successfully because most puppies are naturally not going to want to go to the bathroom in their crate as long as we're giving them ample opportunities to go outside and, you know, like we can't change their biology of needing to go to the bathroom if just by putting them in the crate. But for puppies that come from a puppy mill situation, even using the crate might just not be much of an incentive to them to even try to hold it as much as their little baby bodies can. Um, So in those cases, you know, it's really going to be a lot more about patience and sticking with the basics and rewarding your puppy really heavily for going outside. And those cases can take a long time. In most cases where we have struggles with potty training, I'm just going to recommend going back to the basics and being patient. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, say you brought home a little baby papillon in, um, in Anchorage in the winter, (laughs) um, and you, you probably had a really hard time potty training them throughout the winter. Um, I would recommend in those cases, you know, if they're already trained to go on the potty pads, then you might start taking the potty pads outside and, um, and working up to having the puppy going to the bathroom outdoors fully in those cases. 
So, um, you know, there are some breeds that are a little bit like notoriously more difficult to potty train. I'm not really sure. And I haven't looked into it enough to know whether that's actually a breed thing or actually kind of just a, a person based thing in that, um, a lot of our toy breeds, people just care a little bit less about potty training and they don't mind if their puppy, um, their dog uses potty pads as much for their whole lives. Um, so I, I really don't know which, where I, where I fall on that sort of debate. But again, um, in those cases, the big thing that we're going to be doing is just going back to the basics. It's, it, you know, it's all the schedule. It's all supervision and confinement and patience and not punishing your puppy and just really knowing that they need to go outside a lot um, when they're really little. And yes, as they get older, so um, Niffler, for reference, is um, at seven months old, he's now going outside just the same time my adult dog does, you know, probably twice in the morning before work, once in the middle of the day, and then a couple times after work for a longer, longer times. I also, I do work from home, so they probably go out a little bit more frequently than that, just because I'm going, getting up and moving around and just kind of let them out. Um, but he's been pretty comfortable with, you know, up to six hours, um, of not holding, of holding it and not having accidents. Even when he was about five and a half months old, he was able to hold it for about that long. And that seems to be a pretty good general rule. Um, generally our puppies, well, when they're awake can hold, hold it for about as many hours as they are months old in kind of like a best case scenario. And obviously it's going to vary quite a bit from you know, how active your puppy is and how much they've been drinking and how much they've been eating and how big they are and therefore how big they, their bladder is and all of those things. Um, but up until, you know, up until a point that seems to be a decent guideline. Um, but the biggest thing that most of my clients who are freaking out about potty training early on, it's just that they're expecting their, their 10 week old puppy to be able to hold it for a couple hours because they can hold it for a couple hours while they're sleeping or occasionally in the car or something like that. Um, but just remember that it is really, really activity dependent as far as what your puppy's bladder capacity is going to be. So I hope you found that helpful. Um, now we're going to wrap up this mini-sode with a couple questions from our Patreon. As a new puppy owner, I know how often we're cleaning up. While there's no replacement for management, supervision, and training, Clean Carl's has my back for the times that I slip up and Niffler has an accident. Clean Carl's pet mess products get rid of stains and odors from dog poop and cat pee and everything in between without any added scents so your house won't smell like poop or cleaning products. Plus, they're safe to use about, around both pets and kids. Next time your furry friend has an accident, try Clean Carl's Pet Mess Zapper and Remover. Use the code JOURNEY10 and get 10% off your first order. Just head over to cleancarls.com and use code JOURNEY10 at checkout. This podcast is supported by the Puppy Raising Blueprint course, which you can find at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint. In this course, which is partnered between Journey Dog Training and Canine of Mine, I guide you through everything from common problem behaviors like biting and potty training to the humane hierarchy of dog training. It's always available on a self-study basis at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint. I have a question about stranger danger from caroline h over on patreon and she wrote that she just caught up on all the episodes and the stranger danger episode made her wonder about the behavior her puppy has demonstrated on a couple hikes he's six months old working line border collie so it sounds like he and niff have a lot in common super confident and honestly besides a couple true fear fear periods and then she gives some examples um he's been really really happy and confident in a lot of lot of situations 
He has a, had a bit of a strange reaction to a couple people, um, but not all people while off leash. All of them have been men, um, either one or two people, where they go almost daily. Um, the puppies run up to them with loose, happy body language, but if they try to touch them, he darts off, does a wide border collie type loop or two or three around them, and then starts play bowing. Um, she says that it feels sort of similar to his frustration or over arousal behaviors and that her instinct is that he feels stressed by these interactions and that this is a mild case of stranger danger. I know without seeing body, she says that she knows without seeing the body language is hard to comment, but is wondering if she's kind of interpreting that correctly. So that's a, a great question. Um, I, I would broadly say I agree. That kind of sounds like the puppy is maybe comfortable greeting the people, but as soon as they try to move into his space, that's um, too much for him. Um, potentially, it would be really interesting to know, you know, it's, they've all been men, so maybe he's just, he's friendly with people, and then as soon as he kind of realizes that they're a man and they're reaching towards him, that's just a little bit too much for him. And then that kind of darting off border collie type loop into a play bow sort of thing sounds like really classic kind of displacement behavior where the puppy is like, whoa, okay, not so sure about you, I'm going to move away, and then I'm going to solicit play and see how you react. Um, and, you know, that's actually a really beautiful way for the puppy to deal with that discomfort. Um, so, you know, going forward, what I may recommend is seeing if you can do a couple setups with a couple big male friends or coworkers, um, especially if you can get a couple of them in groups, where they can actually come and, you know, your puppy can run up to them and greet them, and then instead of them trying to reach for him in any way that he might find alarming, they could then just, you know, toss a couple treats to him and then kneel down and let him approach and just kind of work on getting him more comfortable with approaching them in those situations. Um, again, the tough thing here is that it's going to be much, much easier to do that if you're able to find some people um, who can do these setups with you, which I know can be really challenging. Um, and then we have another Patreon question from A that says... Any special allowances for marker training with another dog in proximity? Training sessions can be handled separately, but sometimes it's hard to mark and reward individually in real-world situations. Do you just reward both dogs because there was a mark, regardless of the marked behavior? And um, they're concerned about wanting to avoid unloading the marker. So this is in reference to our marker training episode, our clicker training episode, and this is another really great question. So in my experience, when I am training my two dogs together in proximity, so if I've got Niffler in the crate and Barley's out and I'm working on shaping Barley with something or vice versa, it seems like each dog is aware of who the marker is for and they don't seem to be very stressed by hearing the clicker in that situation. And that's what I've observed as well in, you know, group puppy classes or group obedience classes, both as an instructor and as a student. It seems like the dogs are kind of able to tell that, like, my person isn't looking at me and making eye contact with me and engaging with me. So therefore, that click I heard just isn't quite as relevant to me. Um, that seems to be what I have seen. Um, that absolutely is something to keep an eye on with your individual dog. But I actually think what A is asking here is a, a little bit different, where potentially they're talking about when they're working out um, with the two dogs on leash, um, walking them, or something like that. And they're clicking because one dog did a nice check-in, and then, you know, do you reward the other dog in that moment? And I have a couple thoughts. So generally for Barley and Niffler, I will just reward both of them if I mark, um, as long as both dogs respond to that marker. Um, if I'm out doing, you know, hiking check-ins or loose leash walking work with them or something, um, 
I'm just, I'm never going to be mad about overpaying for either of those things. They're, um, they're really great skills for both of my dogs to be good at. I will say if I like mark for Barley, so if I say yes, and then Niffler doesn't turn around, I'm not going to hassle him into taking the food in that case. Um, cause he just clearly didn't respond to the marker cue and that's fine. I don't have to, I don't have to force it. Um, the other thing that I have started doing a little bit more of is I've actually started in some of those situations using my dog's name as a marker. Um, so I will just, you know, if Barley is um, walking really nicely at my side and looking up at me and Niffler is off sniffing a bush, I will just say Barley and then feed him. Um, and then vice versa, if Niffler is doing a really nice check-in and Barley is off watching a bird or something, I will say Niffler and then feed him. Um, and I think there I will actually be able to just start getting to the point where one dog um, recognizes that that marker is just for them and not for the other dog. Um, I'm not really sure how much I care about that in these particular situations because in all of these situations, I'm more capturing behavior um, and I don't... I, I, I'm not as worried about it mucking up my training by accidentally feeding too many dogs in any of those situations. Um, so yeah, I would be interested to hear um, your thoughts, um, particularly people who have more experience with multi-dog households and multi-dog training as far as how you handle some of those situations. Um, yeah, I, I really, I pretty much just feed both dogs um, if I mark um, as long as they both respond to the marker. So great questions. And, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this little mini sode. Um, we will be back in your earbuds next week. And, uh, until then make sure you, uh, you share and comment and subscribe and all that good stuff. If you've got follow-up questions, join our Patreon for three bucks. Um, it's a great deal <laughs> and you can ask more questions. All right. Thanks guys. Bye.